my personal favourite is Lau. And I think it's my favourite because although it was a while when I went, I, again, I just found the people really made it. Felt faux, but it's actually um, pronounced fur. And the, yeah, faux in Vietnamese, I can't quite remember exactly what it is, but it actually means something slightly, um, slightly ruder than that. This is episode number 17 of the Travel Podcast, and today we're exploring the three destinations that make up Indochina, Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. Welcome back. I'm Matthew from the Travel Podcast, and on this episode, I'm joined by Jules from the Travel Podcast team and our special guest from the experienced travel group, Nick. Both Jules and Nick have travelled these three wonderful countries extensively and will be sharing their knowledge and top tips as we explore each country. And you'll even find out how Jules celebrated her 21st birthday in Cambodia. But before we start, I have some extremely exciting news for those of you listening that would love to book a trip to one of these great destinations. We're very fortunate the Experience Travel Group specialise in curating imaginative, immersive journeys that are anything but predictable and have given us an exclusive offer for all of the Travel Podcast listeners. If you contact the Experience Travel Group and book a Indochina holiday before the end of July 2020, they will give you £500 off the total price. All you have to do is mention the Travel Podcast when you're booking and you'll receive this brilliant offer. And just a reminder about our sponsor, Not Just Travel, where holidays are made even better thanks to their award-winning travel consultants and their new Book and Relax guarantee to give you that peace of mind when booking your next travel plans. Make sure you check them out at notjusttravel.com. And now I'm going to hand over to Jules to get this episode started. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, like Matthew mentioned, um, I have travelled this area uh, a few years ago now uh, with my little backpack. Um, and I have experienced it probably not so much uh, from a luxury point of view. So that would be good to hear Nick's insights there. Um, but I can definitely give you some insights into the more budget end of um, staying in these particular areas. So Indochina, the countries that um, make up this area include Cambodia, Laos and Vietnam. And um, Nick, so how would you suggest getting around the different areas? Um, there's lots of different options depending on depending on what you're trying to get out of it really and how how far you're you're looking to 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 travel so i mean there's lots of you know on a broader sense there's there's lots of um flight options um into you know major hubs in 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 all all three of the countries um so that's kind of getting in and out um but then when you're when you're in countries or getting between them there's 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 a huge range of options um so you've got the mekong that kind of goes down through laos and into cambodia um so there's some really nice kind of river journeys that you can that you can do um at the kind of the budget end there's there's lots of kind of backpackers who hire uh, motorbikes and and kind of buzz around um going through the through the mountains um vietnam you've got kind of trains that you can do kind of overnight trains um which is which is a, a a lovely way of kind of doing it um and then also you know you've got got the vehicles um so the, the depending on how far you're going so you know you wouldn't drive from from saigon to, to hanoi for example you would definitely be looking to to fly that what that that 
option. But if you were going from between, say, Siem Reap and Phnom Penh, you can fly, but it's also a kind of four to five hour drive. So, you know, depending on how you how you want to do it, um, there are different ranges, uh, different options. And as you as you rightly point out, um, obviously, a lot of that comes down to uh, to budget as well. Yeah, brilliant. I remember some very interesting journeys myself. Uh, Cambodia, I think, was a specifically fun one. Uh, an eight seater minibus containing six Cambodians, uh, three Aussies, us two Brits, six chickens and a piglet. So, yeah, you can definitely experience traveling with the locals. You can definitely do that. Yeah, I remember doing something very similar it's, um, when I first first went before my luxury days um, and yeah being being horribly hung over and and bouncing around on a on a bumpy road unpaved for about five hours which was not not the, the not the best experience in the world but it's all part of the uh, all part of the fun yeah exactly it was well remembered anyway yeah. <laughs> so before you go you do need to make sure um, there are some certain things you need to check before you travel to this um, area um, for example, you need to check the vaccinations that are required for each of the destinations and ensure that your vaccinations are all up to date with your check with your local GP. Uh, there's also um, visa requirements for each of these destinations. So you need to make sure that you have a visa that is valid for the total duration of your stay. And there's also um, border crossings that you need to be aware of. And you might need some change or some uh, currency in all of the different varieties for this kind of journey. Um, so, Nick, what would you say? Give us a bit more of an insight into the visas. Yeah, so I mean, for, fortunately, um, they're, they're all relatively easy. So it's not it's not too complicated on on, on any of those fronts um, um, with any of the countries, actually. Um, but yeah, visas are um, Laos and Cambodia uh, sort of charged for a 30 day visa. But it, it, that's it's, it's sort of thirty dollars in in both instances, um, and you can either get that on arrival. I mean, you just simply queue up, whether that's crossing over land or or, or, or via air, um, and just you know queue up and, and pay for that. Um, or in Cambodia, you can actually you can go online and and just fill in a form and get that sorted in advance, which just saves a bit of bit of queuing at, at the time. Vietnam is a little bit more complicated, but if you're travelling for under two weeks, then you can get a a 15-day visa, um, and that you just get on a, on arrival. If it is longer than that, then you need to think about 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 visas. Um, and there's kind of a couple of options. You can either kind of go through the embassy and get your passport stamped kind of in advance, or there is an option to to kind of get a visa on arrival, which you require a letter. You have to pay for the letter, and then and then when you get there, you show the letter and you pay. To, to get the actual visa, um, that option only works in in certain airports. You know the the major ones, but it, it doesn't work on the on oh, if you're crossing over by land. Um, oh, God, sorry, Nick. Well, do you, do you want me to go on to the um, uh, sort of currencies and um, I can't remember what, what else you you, you said? Yeah, cur yeah, currencies would be great. Sorry. Yeah, so I mean, currencies again, quite quite simple. They've all got their local currency, but they're 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 quite heavily tied to US dollars. So if you're spending any kind of great amount of time in 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 either well in any of the countries, it's worth having some dollars on you in in kind of uh, when you get into the country. It's quite difficult to get the currencies outside of the countries, but if you've got some dollars on you, then you can pay for most you know for anything that you need to pay for. You can change that very easily at at the um, 
um, at the borders. Um, ATMs are very widely available now, so you know it's it's very easy to kind of get money when you're in country. Um, it is best if you can to pay in local currency because it generally the exchange rate is slightly better than you know they're, 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 yeah they're, if you if you pay for something they they won't give you as good rates. But you always if you've got that US dollars, it's just there as a as a as a kind of backup. Very, very, very helpful, especially like I said, it's very hard to sometimes get currency before travel. So always make sure you have those US dollars. And we're going to go into a bit more detail about each country. So we're going to go in alphabetical order and we're going to start off with Cambodia. And, and what, one thing that the Korean Travel Group is very good at is making sure you experience a destination. So we're very fortunate to have Nick here to give those types of experiences and talk through that. And obviously Jules here as well, talk about her experiences. And Cambodia, I think a lot of people know it from the famous Angkor Wat, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, and also the mighty Mekong River are two of the big things that I think a lot of people will know Cambodia for. And it's just, I'm going to hand over to you two now to really just sort of go through the flow of the history and culture, what kind of experiences they're best are to do there, and talk about the river, Siem Reap, I know you mentioned earlier. And there are some beaches in Cambodia, which I th- think people won't really think of when they think of Cambodia. They think more of Angkor Wat and the river, not so much the beachfront. So if we start with yourself, Nick, and sort of some of the history and culture of what people can really experience if they travel out there. Yeah, I mean, you, you might have to uh, you might have to control me on Cambodia. I can I can waffle about it all day. Um, I'll let yours control you. That's fine. <laughs> uh, it was um, I, it was it was when I, when I first went travelling in kind of 2004. It was the the country of, of all the places that I went that kind of really really grabbed me um, and actually the, the the history of it particularly was was what you know I, I, I kind of fell in love with uh, but yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating place I think most people as you say are know it for Angkor Wat and and most I, th- I can't remember the actual proportion but the, the the majority of visitors will will only go in and spend two three days in in Siem Reap which is the the place that you the, the city that you stay in to get to the temples um, and then they'll fly out again and that's that's all they'll see and that's that's a great shame I mean the the, the temples themselves are they're around about a thousand years old give or take they they they, they cover quite a wide range um, and they really are you know genuinely world class you know Angkor Wat is 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 the most famous but you've got Bayon which is the one that you've got the faces um, on all the all the different kind of towers. Tar Prom is is most famous for for the Tomb Raider, um, so it's where the Tomb Raider was was filmed, and you've got kind of trees that grow kind of all around it. But then you, beyond that, you've just got huge numbers of temples, and some of them, you know, on their own right would be, you know, would be an amazing destination. And if you get away from those those big temples, you can you can really kind of you can still escape escape the crowds, and you know, spend spending a few days kind of kind of up there. But the other thing that I think people a lot of people kind of aware of but not necessarily know all that much about is the is the more recent history and that that was actually particularly what I was fascinated by I think falling in love with was is 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 the wrong term really but is is the the the, the stuff around Pol Pot and and the 70s and and you know the 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 huge disruption disruption that 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 happened there and the and and mass mass killings and it's very 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 interesting it's kind of connected loosely with the Vietnam War lots of stuff around in Phnom Penh you've got the killing fields S21 which was their their kind of torture prison 
chamber, really quite shocking stuff. And it, it kind of continued. So, I mean, Cambodia was kind of essentially in in you know lockdown typically uh, topically but it was you know it was it was cut off completely until the mid 90s and so there's you've got quite an interesting kind of kind of history it's it's kind of booming since then um, I think that's but, what struck me actually Nick when I went to visit the killing fields was just how recent the mm. history was we weren't talking about hundreds of years ago this you know his regime ended in 1979 that's only like 40 years ago yeah um, what well, when you can still see it I mean it's yeah. it's it, you 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 what if you're going if you're in Cambodia you will you will not see kind of 50 to 70 year olds you just don't see them because uh, essentially they were all you know they were killed so uh, they they don't know how much but they reckon about up to a third of the population died in four-year periods and it was it was everyone of a working you know the the kind of late teenage to to sort of 30 at the time um so you can still you know you can feel it and as, as you say jules it is so it is so recent and it is so interesting and you know the the president who took over the guy who took over and and saved Pol Pot is still the president so you know it does show how you know it is still it is still there and does still affect huge swathes of the population yeah it's definitely worth a visit but I would say it's a very sombering day so don't expect to be sort of going out for a party that evening it's definitely a sort of let's just have a bowl of rice and and just take it in a little bit and just going quickly back to Anchor Wat, one of my recommendations would be to there's a lot of guys that have um that do their own tuk-tuk tours. Mm. Um so tuk-tuks as well, really popular form of transportation out there. But actually when you if you speak to one of the guides, they actually become your guide. Um and you can negotiate a really great price before you get into the tuk-tuk, top tip. And, and they will literally, you know, take you all around the area and give you those insights as well, which you wouldn't get necessarily from a tour guide that didn't live in, in amongst the area. Yeah. And moving on then to the Mekong. So this is like a bustling market on river. Yeah, so well, the the, the Mekong uh, you might be referring to the Tonle Sap, which technically isn't the Mekong, but it's 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 kind of so the 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 Tonle Sap is a freshwater lake that kind of pretty much goes in between Siem Reap and Phnom Penh, but it's actually it's when the in the winter the Mekong River that comes down through Lao the the the, the the current is so strong that it basically goes up a river. So it's, so it's a tributary. The Tonle Sap is a tributary of the Mekong and the water just goes back up and pushes the Ton, Tonle Sap upstream. And so it creates this, uh, this, this, this huge freshwater lake. And on there you get huge, you know, people live on the river, but the, 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 because the height goes up and down so much, the most famous way that they live on kind of floating villages. And so as the, as the kind of water levels rise and, and fall, you get you know they they can kind of you know follow with the with the water and you know it's obviously big kind of fishing communities and and you know the water is so important to you know their vegetation and all of all of that kind of stuff and they're very very interesting i mean you can have a kind of up to hundred hundreds of thousands of people on on some of the big ones and yeah really really interesting to 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 kind of kind of explore um there's some quite close to to Siem Reap, but again if you get a bit further away you know you can you can escape the the, the kind of the busloads 
loads of Chinese tourists kind of kind of bussing in, and you can get a bit more of an authentic flavour of 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 how that works. Or even you know that's doing a boat trip down from Siem Reap down to Phnom Penh is a is a really nice way of kind of experiencing that as well. Yeah, beautiful colours and so many different fruits that you just wouldn't so exotic and mm. the taste and the smells just incredible. And yeah. Matthew, you were asking about um, beaches in Cambodia, so. For my 21st birthday party, that was only last year, obviously, <laughs> I spent it in Sihanoukville, which is a gorgeous beach um, in Cambodia, and celebrated with Russian drug lords and some prostitutes. All very, very friendly. It was a brilliant, brilliant evening learning all about their own cultures. And another thing, actually, I got there was um, I got my hair washed professionally. And in Cambodia, this is for the girls, they they put the shampoo straight onto your dry hair and massage it all in and then you get it all washed off but my hair had never been as clean so maybe another little top tip I haven't carried that on since I've been back but uh, yeah, Cambodian hairdressers <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, the, 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 the people often underlook the beaches, as you say, and, you know, Cambodia is a, is a destination in its own right that people can, you know, you properly spend two weeks or even longer if you've got, if you know, if you're backpacking, you've got the time. Unfortunately, Sihanoukville uh, has... <laughs> probably gone beyond an area that I particularly would like to spend any any time it was lovely I first went 15 years ago it was gorgeous 10 years ago I went back and it was still very very nice but the Chinese have really kind of taken over massive massive casinos I saw quite a grim documentary about it recently so yeah I, I wouldn't personally spend much time there but there are some really nice islands off the, the Sihanoukville coast. And Koh Rong is the, is the kind of the, the most famous of those. And there you've got, you know, you've got a huge range. And, and depending on, you know, if you're super high end. So when, I, when I, I went on my honeymoon to Cambodia and that's where, that's where we went. And I managed to sort myself out a deal at, at Songsar, which is a very, very indulgent hotel which was which was amazing so you kind of got that on one end but then you've also got and you know in six senses and a, and a, a leela but you've got to then go right down to the kind of the much more kind of backpacking type options and they've even yeah i think they do some kind of full moon parties there I, much much quieter than the kind of copang yang option so you know you still got that kind of fun and bustling nature of it which is which is lovely alternatively you've you've got the area around kep and kampot which is further east not so good for the kind of the beaches themselves but really quite an interesting place so it's kind of kep is is famous for crabs so you've got you know lovely crab market it's got some really interesting kind of colonial villas and kampot is a is a small town kind of on on the river which is a you know lovely place to spend a night or two so that's a bit more of a kind of a cultural kind of experience while also being by the sea whereas Sihanoukville is is more your kind of traditional beach and then the other option that people do have uh, which is really not use very often is, is to go into the cardamom mountains in particular which is the southeast corner of of cambodia you've got lots of kind of waterways um, around there and sort of rainforest and there's some really nice places to stay you can do some lovely kind of nature walks boat trips up to waterfalls and again there's a bit of a range so you know you've got 
you know, very high end, you've got Shintamani Wild, which is a, you know, incredible, incredible place down to the kind of the mid range adventure and, and then right down to your kind of your backpacking type type stuff again. And that actually that's a really nice trip because you can cross over into Thailand, near, not too far from Trat, which is the gateway to Koh Chang and, and Kokut, which is a kind of a much more undiscovered part of Thailand. So that also is a really nice kind of overland journey that you can kind of do and, and sort of finish up in, in Bangkok, which, you know, sometimes is, is, is useful to, to kind of get in and out of the, uh, of the region. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we've covered a lot of Cambodia now. My personal, I know that's your favourite Cambodia. My personal favourite is Laos. And I think it's my favourite because although it was a while when I went, I, again, I just found the people really made it. So happy to see tourists and really interested in learning about you and your culture. I think in the schools, perhaps, the kids are taught to maybe go up to tourists and you get approached on, on the beach or, or in the cafe if uh, a little young student wants to practice their English. Um, but it's just really sweet and really lovely people there. So what would you say is your highlight of Laos, Nick? Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I think you're 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 right. The, the, the people are they're just very natural. I I I find they're they're very incredibly laid back. They're very proud of how laid back they are and how slow they 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 take life. So you know nothing happens at a pace. But that's you know that's just really you know just really nice way of kind of doing it. I mean, I, I went uh, I was there in December actually. I hadn't been properly for for sort of 10 years or so i've done a couple of kind of quick trips but it reminded me i mean the people grabbed me but it reminded me how easy it is to feel like you are properly traveling and i think that was a big thing that i took away there it was unlike you know cambodia and vietnam that you can get away from from the main areas but it is you know it can be quite busy whereas laos just you know doesn't have anything like the number of people that 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 the rest of the areas do and so you just you know kind of pretty much anywhere you go is it feels like you're feels like you're traveling whether that's your whether that's you backpacking or being on the back of a bike or in the way that i did it you know with a with a private private guide and 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 driver you just feel like you're exploring something and you know you combine that with the you know the the, the stunning scenery again the, the the mekong but all its kind of tributaries i think it it, it really does create a, a beautiful kind of combination yeah i definitely agree and you speak there about the slow pace of life and i definitely found that have you taken the slow boat journey I haven't personally actually no I mean we have a lot of clients that that do there's kind of various various options for it and it, it is often one of the things that people really really you know said one of their highlights that you do a really common one to do is from northern so from kind of Chiang Rai area and then you cross the border and then you can kind of get a it's a long tail boat through absolutely you know stunning stunning scenery and and then you sort of stop off and and go to a lodge overnight and and, and stay there and that's yeah it's a lovely lovely way of doing it but there, and then there's different you know different areas of the country where you you can do it there are there's also one on the south which you can kind of stay on the boat overnight for a couple of days and that again is a really nice way of kind of just you know immersing yourself with 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 kind of river life yeah i must say so top tip if you do do the slow boat journey i must admit i've done a bit more research and they've changed the seating so when i went it was like a church pew which is not that comfy for a sort of six hour 
boat journey but apparently now they have changed them to so they've been ripped out sort of minibus vans so a bit more cushion for you yep. <laughs> make it a bit more of a comfy journey but one of the great experiences along there is the sorry the locals coming on their own boats and they will see a tourist boat and you know come up behind beside you and if you want some fresh pineapple or papaya some drinks that they know that you haven't got a lot on there with you so definitely mm. makes it a more interesting journey and like you said the scenery is incredible and yeah. something that I experienced still river based was tubing in Van Bien. Now, it wasn't the most health and safety sort of stringent that we might expect in the UK. Is it still going, Nick? Not in that form, no. You probably went, if you went 10 years ago, you probably went about the time I last went. And yeah, it it was a lot of fun. But um, I I remember sort of thinking to, or chatting about me and my friends and sort of saying that if my mum, if my mum saw me doing what I'm doing right now, she would be probably about as disappointed as she's ever been. (laughs) But uh, it was it was a lot of fun. But no, they around about t- about 2011, there was some European press and I think the, a German documentary, actually, that kind of looked into it. And apparently there were quite a lot of, you know, there were quite a lot of deaths happening, which does kind of, you know, it is <laughs> it's not. That surprising, considering how much booze was happening on 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 while people were in the water. But so they kind of shut that down. They have slightly changed it and slightly altered it, and they 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 Evangelion still is is there. But they're actually at the moment they're kind of pitching at the kind of the Chinese and South Korean markets. So yeah, but there are there are little places around on the rivers that you can do sort of local tubing. So the first time I went in two thousand and four, you were you know none of the kind of bars that that, that kind of came up afterwards in Van Vien. it was just literally you got on a tube and you just floated down the river um, and every now and then as you say someone would sell you a beer for a dollar or a bit of fruit or something and you know that was just a lovely way of kind of taking in the scenery and there are places that you can do that uh, around I was I was in a place near the Thakek or on the Thakek loop and they had tubes and you can just kind of you can kind of drift down so the kind of debauchery side of it doesn't exist but it is still possible to kind of to kind of to kind of do that and it is a you know it's a lovely it's a lovely experience if if done if done well <laughs> and then moving on then to um Luang Prabang. So this is like waterfall central. You find the most incredible waterfalls and also um, elephants as well, really popular here. And this is where we experienced um, elephants on our trip because we felt that the care and the conservation for the elephants in Lao was really good at the time. And they were really concentrating on that as compared to maybe the other parts of this area. But what's your experience of Luang Prabang? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, Luang Prabang is a is a is a lovely place, and a, a bit like Siem Reap, a, a lot of people will all they'll know of Laos is Luang Prabang, so they'll sort of fly in and 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 kind of fly out, it's sort of you know, the non-backpacking type type people. But it's yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful town. It's it's a former capital, um, and is you know it's, a, it's kind of the cultural heartland really of Laos. So you've got some lovely, you know, really interesting kind of heritage there, sort of small scale temples in in the in the town you've got a night market they do a morning 
kind of almsgiving and there's lots of Buddhist monks. And so you kind of get out early and, and you're kind of handing out alms. And that's so there's lots of low kind of cultural experiences in the city or town, really. But then outside of that, as you say, it's, it's surrounded by beautiful, beautiful countryside. And you can there's lots of kind of interesting kind of day trips or half day trips that you can do some some stunning kind of platformed waterfalls as you mentioned and and yeah the the, the elephants there are some there are some good sanctuaries for sure as as ever with 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 elephant sanctuaries it's something you've got to be very very careful with and there are some some bad places and some good places but there are there are one or two that we particularly uh, we particularly uh, think do a good job so you know it's it's that's quite a big for us as a company, that's a, that's a huge part of what we do for all of our holidays. But, you know, the, the, how elephants are, are looked after and, you know, how they're maintained and, and you know, how, how that sort of stuff. But there's some, there are some really good experiences that you can kind of that you can that you can do there. Sorry, I was going to jump in when I was looking at Laos. Uh, this region really piqued my interest because of the trekking and getting up into the hills and mountains and mm. the scenery looks unbelievable. So it's definitely something that I would I would definitely go to do is to get out and enjoy the treks. Yeah, I think if if you want to do that, you particularly want to go. At, you know, you want to go slightly further afield, so up to Mangla, that kind of area, Udomsai, kind of. So that's and that you know you can either work your way up there up the rivers and, and overland or you can even fly up there but that's much 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 more remote you get m- much less people there my one of our, our co-founders was was out there similar time to me actually and he did a he did an overnight trek to a to a village there that that you know you can't that you can only get there by by walking and you know they really have very very few visitors so it was a it was a properly kind of authentic experience kind of blew him blew him away but it's so it's it's a you escape the crowds but you also you know the scenery there is is just absolutely stunning and you can go you know going down the river that's that would be you know so the river trip that we talked about earlier that goes down into Prabang from the Thai border if you go the other way round you can go down the Namu River, which is much, much, much quieter, but get a similar kind of experience and, and possibly even more picturesque. And Nongkyor in itself is quite an interesting place with some lovely kind of cycle rides and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you if you uh, if you want to, as I say, if you if like Luang Prabang is the only place in Laos where, where it, it can, well, now actually the 4000 Islands as well, where, where it feels kind of touristy. But it's so easy. You just need to go a little bit further away, and then suddenly you just get into to that kind of whole kind of proper traveling kind of experience. Amazing. So it sounds really like a destination that you can just get away from it and really explore, explore the local cultures. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one other thing that that I mean, you touched upon earlier, Jules, but is the uh, is the food. I think people often don't think of Laos as, as you know, Thai, Thai food is, you know, really famous. Vietnamese food is really famous. And, and to a lesser extent, Cambodian people think of like, you know, this got the seafood and the crabs and, and et cetera and so on. People don't really think about Lao food, but it's it's uh, it's amazing. And it's actually so Isan, which is a, a province in northeast Thailand, up until, you know, 100 200 years or 150 years ago say used to basically be Lao so the, the 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 cultures the cultural differences are very 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 small and actually they basically speak the same you know Lao and Thai is, is pretty much the same kind of language but a lot of fate like famous dishes in Thailand come from Isan and Isan's considered to be the best 
food often in in Thailand. So sort of um, spicy papaya salads, um, soups, you know, really fragrant, spicy kind of dishes. Um, And actually that basically comes from Laos. So you kind of get all of that stuff in Laos and yet, and it's all really kind of, you know, it's again, very easy to get authentic stuff and and not just fall into the kind of, you know, the green curry, red curries um, stuff that you can, you you can even, even in Thailand, you can get kind of stuck on, on, on that a little bit. There's quite a French influence, isn't there, in in Laos? I remember when we arrived from spending six weeks in Thailand, we were really loving the French baguettes and and all the um, goods, whereas the Thai toast was sort of the size of the palm of your hand. So didn't quite fill us up. But, yeah, we really enjoyed the food in uh, Laos as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, I kind of mean across Indochina, obviously the the French influence is, is there. So the bread is is much much better in Thailand than than in all of the places. But yeah, Lao. You, I remember getting the first time I was in Vientiane, and I I had been travelling at that point for sort of three months or something, and I had that slight kind of travelling. Uh, issue with my belly and I couldn't I'd kind of lost my appetite and and suddenly got into Vientiane and there, there were these baguettes on the side of the road and it was just exactly what I needed and yeah just started devouring three or four of those every day but yeah it's it's yeah the food the the, the French influence is there and and the baguettes are you know are, are particularly good in Laos I think and they you know they've got these on the side of the road and they've got all sorts of ingredients that you can you know ask them to put in depending on what 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 takes your fancy yeah brilliant now i think the most well i in my opinion the most diverse from north to south is vietnam so i feel it's quite similar oh it sounds weird me saying this but it's a bit similar to england in that you've got england scotland wales obviously northern ireland and all these different landscapes make up this one place and i feel like that's very similar in vietnam and so if we should we start in the south of vietnam yeah, if 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 you like, yeah, that's 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 fine. Yeah, um, I mean, I I kind of yeah, kind of I I know what you know what you're meaning. It's it not least there's there's different kind of climatic zones, so they they kind of feel different as well because you know the south will be really hot and the north will be much cooler, and so it feels like you're going to different places. But yeah, I mean, so the south and Saigon in particular, or Ho Chi Minh City, that it has more of a international colonial sort of feel to it i've always found wider boulevards colonial kind of architecture and whereas you know the northern cities slightly feel do feel more kind of kind of asian but but saigon is a yeah it's a lovely lovely place to spend spend a few days likewise you've got the mekong delta which you can either do as a day trip or or what i particularly like actually is coming down the the mekong from cambodia so you can do the do a river trip from Phnom Penh across the border into the mekong delta and kind of work your way up and the mekong delta is a is a beautiful area very very fertile which is often considered the rice basket of of vietnam but quite a lot of industry actually so it's quite a weird kind of juxtaposition of, of kind of industrial towns and and kind of very rural places but it's it's yeah it's it's, a, it's an interesting place to spend a day or two and then yeah in saigon obviously there's there's some quite interesting kind of vietnam war stuff there the food is the food is very different in each of the place but the food in saigon is 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 brilliant and yeah it's a it's a fun bustling interesting city and, and a great place to spend a couple of days yeah fun trying to cross the road 
<laughs> it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, we you, we we actually are, we get our guides to it's kind of like the first thing they they do when they get to <laughs> yeah to sort of show them how to do it. And you kind of because it's really unnerving because they're you know if anyone's seen pictures of it they're you know the roads are basically stuffed with 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 scooters and they're all kind of buzzing around and there's no kind of traffic lights and they're all kind of weaving in, in amongst each other. But they have some weird kind of where they know the code um and as long as you know they know what you are doing so if you're walking straight they know you're walking straight and then so they can dodge you but the problem that tourists get is that they don't trust themselves so they start like kind of going in and then sort of getting nervous and stopping and then that's when they the the drivers don't know what they're doing so you kind of have to really sort of just yeah grab the ball by the horns and trust go and just walk and you'll 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 be fine but it it does take a bit of time to uh, to get your head around that kind of idea yeah one of the day trips we did when we were there was to the coochie tunnels which is another incredible historical place to go and visit mm. and uh, learn all about the the war and you could, we i'm not sure if you're still able to do this but we could actually go into the tunnels you can yeah yeah, it was super claustrophobic. And I'm not uh, one of the biggest people in the world, but it, it was quite scary. And I, I, again, because you've experienced it, you can really feel how those, those soldiers felt in the time. And they, they lived in those tunnels for, for a long time. But yeah, have you seen the Coochie Tunnels? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, uh, yeah, I'm 6'5", I'm so they are definitely a squeeze for me. Um, uh, but yeah, they, they, I mean, obviously, um, the, the average height of the Vietnamese is, is somewhat lower than 6'5". Than, than, than um, but yeah, they're very interesting. They are not, if you, are, if you do get claustrophobic, they, they are a bit, you know, they are a bit unnerving. Um, but it, it is very, very interesting to think that that's how, you know, that's how people lived and that how they kind of um you know protected themselves and and hid away from 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 the americans but yeah you kind of crawl it you kind of have to for parts you kind of literally have to kind of crawl through a small tunnel to then get to a slightly larger kind of kind of area but it is it's is very interesting and as i say the, the war you know vietnam war is is a very very interesting period and there's some there's some interesting um i think one of the most famous things that you could do in saigon is actually get is a is a vespa well new famous thing you can do is is there's vespa tours so what they in the 50s there was a lot of money in vietnam and particularly well in south south vietnam anyway coming in from the americans and vespas became very kind of popular in the same way that they were in europe and so they got quite a lot of them in but then after the sort of 60s and 70s when it all sort of shut down they they were the only you know they're good quality scooters so they were kind of maintained and you know they were looked after for sort of 20 30 years and then when it was opened up the new kind of japanese or indian scooters became available and everyone you know i don't want that crappy old vespa anymore and so they kind of discarded it and an australian guy kind of realized that there was these huge numbers of vespers around and kind of renovated them and then they do these kind of nighttime tours where you sit on the back of the vespa and you're you so you're driven around so you don't have to take on the the traffic too too much and you they take you to all kind of sort of different kind of street food vendors and and just you kind of get an experience of a local experience really of of what it's like to be in in Saigon and that that's a that's a really really fun thing to do yeah brilliant so moving further north what about I think if we hit Hoi An 
It's yeah, Haiyan's lovely. So uh, the, the centre is central area is is kind of Haiyan and Hui are the, probably the most two the t- the two most famous kind of areas. Haiyan is is just south of of quite a big city called Da Nang, which is where you kind of fly into and then you drive down half an hour. But Haiyan is a is a former well, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and it's a former kind of Chinese style fishing village, um, little port that kind of got abandoned a hundred years or so ago, and people moved up into Da Nang. The port became too small, and so yeah, you've just got these beautiful kind of cobbled cobbled streets. You know, it's really kind of protected, lot red, kind of really colourful, lovely markets, and it's just a really really nice place to to spend a couple of days. You you it's it's on the coast. It's the town itself isn't on the coast, but it's like 10 minutes away so you can either stay kind of in the town or you can you can stay on the coast and you know get some get get the beach get you some beach action and then and then kind of do day trips in or go in for 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 an evening bite to eat or 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 that kind of thing it's got some fantastically talented uh tailors in hoyan i got myself so i'm well you're six foot five i'm five foot four foot ten so we'd look very cool together but yeah i managed to have made so that these lovely vietnamese ladies came and they measured me up i went into their little shop and then they get a next catalog out and ask you to select what type of suit you would like so you stroll through your next catalogue, you pick one out and then you go back two days later and your silk lined pinstripe suit was all ready and fitted perfectly. So, yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic place. You can get shoes as well and all sorts of things made there. And they're so quick. I don't know how they do it so quick. Yeah, yeah, I've never, I've not actually ever done that uh, there anyway. But yeah, I know a lot of people who have, um, and it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite, I mean, it's quite fun, and it's, is in, in its own right. But you can get some really good value, and as ever with those sort of places, there's, you know, some that are are better than than the others. But um, if you can get some uh, local tip at some point about which one to to go for, and do a bit of haggling, then you can get, yeah, you can get an amazing, amazing deal. Oh, yeah, I've got a good tip there. So I know, oh, my God, in Vietnamese is oi choi oi. So when they give you a price, if you just say oi choi oi, that's giving them a bit of a laugh and sometimes knocks a zero off the end. Pop tip there. <laughs> um, and the food. So I want to know, Nick, I don't know if you know, when you move further north, you sit on tiny, tiny plastic stools <laughs> to eat the um, street food. Um, obviously, pho, absolutely delicious. How would you describe pho, Nick? It's a, it's a beef noodle soup. <laughs> Basically, spicy, spicy beef noodle soup. Uh, it's 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 pretty. It's spelt pho, but it's actually um, pronounced pho. And the yeah, pho in Vietnamese, I can't quite remember exactly what it is, but it actually means something slightly um, slightly ruder than that. So you get a lot of a lot of tourists going around saying saying something slightly rude to people. But I, I think they're probably used to that by now. But yeah, it's a kind of it's got a, a, a beef broth and uh, yeah, be, be delicious noodles soup they've they've got a whole range of, i mean lovely lovely noodle soups but fair is probably the, the the most famous of 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 the vietnamese dishes but why do they sit on such tiny little stools uh, again at six foot five i i've asked that question many <laughs> many times myself um I, I, it's it's quite common i mean obviously they're they are smaller so you know I, they probably don't need as much space i think that's particularly in hanoi where where that happens and they they are quite 
you know, they don't have much space. So in Hanoi, it's much, much, much more compact. So the streets are much more narrow. Got the little kind of the, the restaurants that, that kind of have the, the most people are kind of sitting outside. So I think it's as much as anything, it's a kind of it's a it's a space thing again. And it, it kind of, you know, it, it, it happens in, in Thailand and Myanmar and other places in that area as well. But, yeah, it, it, it's a bit of an experience. I have I have been known to, to be sat on a sat on a chair eating some delicious food and it to to kind of give way on me um and i kind of collapse to the, f- the floor and you always get yeah you always get locals kind of double taking when they see they see me with my my knees up to my up to my chest yeah it can't be the most comfortable for you Nick. I'm all, i don't know what i'm moaning about i'm fine <laughs> so if we move again a bit further north then we have the beautiful halong bay this is incredible. Um, my top tip here would probably be just, again, do your research because there are some, there's a lot of boats that, again, their their style and their service really does vary and you definitely get what you pay for. So, again, just really have a good chat with some of the locals, some of the tourists that have maybe coming off a boat and just pick the best one for yourself. Have you done Halong Bay on, in a boat? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, I, I would I would agree with that that as a as a, as a tip. I mean, obviously, we're, we we kind of pre prearrange it for for everyone so i mean uh, but i i personally would think it's one of those places that that is or one of those experiences that is worth looking at in advance and 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 splashing out a little bit even if you are on a budget i think it's it's worth it's worth doing so and possibly you know look to look to book in advance on on a on a good one some people suggest doing day trips and i i really really would not advise it it's you know three hour drive and if you if you just do a day trip you're really not going to get away from the crowd so you get you get huge numbers of boats in 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 Halong Bay the two things that I would suggest one one is there's actually a, a, an alternative bay called Baitu Long Bay and that's got a much it's very very similar in terms of in terms of the, the setting but it has they give significantly less permits out so there's they there really are not that many companies there that, that that do trips so if you if you can stretch to one of those companies it, i think it is worth doing and you can kind of then you know you get a slightly more authentic experience and if if not if you are in halong bay then then the best best thing to try and do is a two night cruise but the key thing with the two night cruise is to look for one that only is two nights because what a lot of boats do is they they go out then and they they come back every day and then so for the people that are doing two nights they basically put on a second boat or they leave somewhere and kind of do some and that still is in the really kind of busy area and then they go back and they pick up the next people so you're much better off looking at a genuinely two night cruise so that they leave the harbour at, at that on on the time that you do and then you can go much 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 further afield and again sort of you know es- escape escape the es- escape the crowds and I think that really is worth doing because it can get it can get very kind of busy and all the all the boats in Halong Bay will, will tend to kind of moor up next to each other and there's no set structure as to how that works so you could be on a super high-end boat but still be next to a backpacking party boat which probably wasn't what you what you had in mind so um but if you get either if you're in by Toulon Bay or you go further further afield on a two-night cruise you can you can kind of mitigate that yeah definitely and then 
Well, one part I want to mention is Sapper. So right at the top, and I got the um, sleeper train from Hanoi, which was an experience in itself. Um, great trains, but if you can imagine a, a triple bunk bed, two triple bunk beds in a cabin, and then the bottom two sort of flip up. So you've got your Vietnamese family in, in your cabin having their full on dinner, and then you two are sort of slept at the top. But it was a like amazing experience to be that up close and personal with all the locals and again learning all their stories but Sapper what we were mentioning earlier with you Matthew about the the homestays or getting to know the the real place we did a homestay with a local family up in um, Sapper and a guide walked with us we did have to do a bit of a trek to get there and then we stayed overnight in in a local's house but Sapper is amazing for all the paddy fields and and the rice fields just looks absolutely incredible did you get up to Sapper? I've not actually been up to to, to Sapper, no. But it, I, I, you know, seen seen pictures and, and spoken to quite a lot of people that that have. And yeah, it is a it's a beautiful a beautiful part of 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 the country. The train is a fun experience, uh, and there's various kind of overnight trains that you can do across across Vietnam. Actually, um, I think it's one of those places. Again, it's it's Sapper town itself now is 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 pretty busy, and quite a lot of the kind of trekking routes are very busy. But if you can go, you know, there are some really you know you go slightly further afield particularly if you're if you're up for being slightly more adventurous and basic then that i think is really good i think particularly kind of at the at that backpacker market end of things i think the the place that we we quite often use for our clients as a kind of alternative um it's not as high but it's fulong national park which is kind of west of of hanoi but that's a really beautiful beautiful area and much much less crowded and that's a really nice place to, you know, you've still got the rice paddy fields, you've still got the, the the mountains to do some lovely walking or trekking, depending on, you know, how adventurous you're feeling. You've got the kind of the 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 the, the local kind of communities and 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 that side of things, but generally done in a slightly more kind of responsible way. I mean, there are some responsible stuff in Sapper, but you know, it it tends to follow that as things get busy, that's when you know. It's maybe not done in quite such a responsible way, but but Fulong, uh, yeah, is a is a great way of doing it. It's it's an easy kind of loop, and you can even combine it. So what we do quite a lot is, you know, you, you're in Hanoi, drive down to Fulong, couple of nights there, and then you go across to a place called Nin Bin, which is often considered, often said to be like the Halong Bay of on land. So you've got the same kind of limestone kind of casts, sort of beautiful beautiful area and some interesting kind of waterway and caves um, and there's some really nice kind of experiences you can get you know get on a bike and cycle around you can do some walking you can do some kind of boat trips through the through the caves um, and that's a really nice way of spending two three two three days um, and you can actually get a train so if you're doing Hanoi south you can do that way and then when you're in Ninh Binh you can get the, the overnight train from from not far from there down to sort of way Da Nang Hoi An area depending on where you wanted to go. Fantastic so um, we've covered loads today that was absolutely brilliant what would you suggest for say a two-week holiday do you have like a, an itinerary you would suggest <laughs> to cover everything uh, I, the, the, yeah the million dollar question I, I i to be honest it would it it has to be what you're looking for with, with two weeks i think the key key thing that i would say i mean i kind of always say it for, for for any sort of traveling but certainly when you're trying to combine these is that two weeks you know you're not going to do everything and 
you know, less is more. So, you know, you often get people saying, oh, I want to go to Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam in two weeks. And it's just like, don't, don't, don't bother because you'll, you'll end up, you know, you'll end up not seeing anything or just rushing around like a lunatic. So I, I think if you've, Personally, I think if you've got two weeks, I would focus on on one, you know, potentially combining two in the sort of, you know, Cambodia and southern Vietnam, for example, works quite nicely as a two week trip, kind of working down the Mekong, finishing with a bit of beach. Laos and Cambodia can work as a as a two week, a two week trip. But, you know, they, they all work really well as a as a standalone two week trip and, and even longer. So, you know, Vietnam you know, the north to south or south to north, Halong, Halong, sorry, Hanoi, Halong Bay, Hue, Hoi An, uh, Ho Chi Minh, the five H's is known. That's quite a nice two-week trip. But but even then, you're not, you know, you're missing out places like Fulong, Ninh Binh, uh, the Mekong Delta, you know, potentially some time on the beaches. So if you if you can extend it, then so much the better. But if you are sticking to two weeks, then really try and focus on, you know, what it is that you're interested in why you want to go um, and design the trip around that rather than going, well, I really want to see, you know, and just keep adding places in because you just, you, 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 you'll end up not enjoying yourself. No, great That's, tip, Nick. That is some, some great advice and something that's a region that I've really wanted to go to for quite a while. I've, I have not been east. It's on my list and Vietnam's at the top of it, but taking your advice, you know, I'd love to see Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos, but I'll probably have to do it on multiple trips because I want to see so much of, and, there, and there's each country is so diverse, got so much culture, so much to do to try and squeeze in in such a short space of time is you're going to not do yourself justice and you're going to be missing out or always on the go. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, I mean, you know, the very nature of, of, the countries that we cover and the very fact that I keep going back and back, you know, it's somewhere, you know, I'm, I'm more someone who, goes and explores somewhere deeper rather than kind of just just kind of tick something off um but yeah we very much you know we follow the mantra at, at etg that's you know we've never done anywhere you know and people often use that phrase and it always it always irritates us you know i've done done cambodia and it's like well no you haven't um no one's done cambodia um and i think you know that if you if you go into that mentality of oh, i want to see you know i just want to see vietnam it's like well okay but then you're you know, you're not going to see it. So you need to go. And if you're going to do it, do it, you know, kind of do it properly. And there's such, you know, such big areas that you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go say, right, I'm going to do two weeks and I'm going to go to Italy, France and Spain. You know, you would, you would go, right, okay, I'm going to go to North Italy or something. And it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same, same principle. Yeah, definitely. And I would say it was, we sort of covered three big countries within within Indochina because a lot of people do like doing it as a long trip and a tour um, but we will cover each destination in more detail individually so do please go and check out the travelpodcast.com where you'll be able to find all of the links for what we've spoke about today some of the highlights that both Jules and Nick have discussed uh, many of my top ideas have come from these two I especially liked the sound of the 4,000 islands in Laos and exploring the local culture there so I just want to say a massive thank you to Nick. So thank you very much, Nick, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, Jules, as always. Thank you. And again, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any other podcast platform, please do leave us a review and rate us five stars. And do, of course, subscribe and share. So we look forward to having you listen again. The Travel Podcast is sponsored by Not Just Travel, where it's not just travel, it's a way of life. 
We hope you liked this podcast. And if you did, please tell your friends, but also take a moment to rate us on iTunes as it helps spread the word. Thanks for listening.